Welcome to Word and a Weapon Podcast. Biblically guided safety and security tips, techniques, and tactics for everyday Christian warriors. With your host, Guy Beveridge, CEO of Protectors Toolkit, Christian safety and security made simple. Now here's your host, Guy Beveridge. What's up, Warriors? Welcome to another Word in a Weapon podcast. We're so glad you're joining us here. This is Season 1, Episode 5. You know, Word in a Weapon is that podcast that's not too long, not too short, but just right. Yes, you can compare Word in a Weapon to just like Baby Bear's porridge, chair, or bed from the story of the three little bears. It comes into your life when it's just right for you. It's a podcast that's easy to get into, get out of, and get on with your day. That gives you a word or something from the word. This is something that came into my life in the last days or weeks that impacted me as a Christian, either from Bible studies or maybe a sermon that I read or heard, or something that just came up so frequently I know a God was giving it to me so I could in turn give it to you. And then after that I give you a weapon, something you can take with you in your toolbox or have on your tool belt as a Christian warrior operating in the times that we are currently in. It'll be a tip, trick, or technique that you can implement in your day-to-day operations as a warrior. So let's get on with it. Today's word word that I got was stewardship. Now this is something that has been on my heart and in my mind lately. Uh, I don't know if it's the holidays or the fact that I steward Protector's Toolkit or that I steward my house. While thinking about stewardship, I also heard in a message recently from one of my pastors, it was the story of Elisha and the widow's olive oil from 2 Kings 4, in which the widow tells the prophet, I have nothing. She goes on to say, I have nothing in the house except a jar of olive oil. But when she says she has nothing, that's not entirely true, as we learn later on in the story. No matter what we have, how little it may seem in our hands, there are a couple facts that always hold true. What you do have comes from God. God gives in abundance, and there is nothing so little that God can't do big things with it. So listen, friends, listen to what C.S. Lewis said. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. I think that puts it really nicely for us. You know, as stewards, we're to be stewards of everything that God gives us. So the word stewardship has been on my heart lately. Maybe it's that maybe it's my 2021 word of the year that I'm supposed to be paying attention to or focused on. I'm not sure. I'm certainly going to have to pray on that just a little bit more to figure if that is actually what is being told to me. Unfortunately, many Christians today only associate or we associate the idea of stewardship uh, from sermons, right? We've heard the sermons about church budgets or church buildings. Um, So let's get us aligned on stewardship and what I'm meaning here when I'm talking about stewardship overall as a Christian. Contrary to worldly thinking, the Bible tells us that we are not the ultimate owners of physical possessions or financial assets. We are to operate as managers of our time, energy, money, and talents. God is ruler over all period. There are three clear aspects of stewardship. Stewardship, number one, oversees what belongs to another. Stewardship also carries authority to manage what has been entrusted or what has been given to you. And stewardship is responsible. Someone with stewardship is responsible. He or she will have to give an account to the owner. To whom you got it from, you'll have to give an account to. 
And at the core of stewardship is cultivating a cheerful generosity towards God, His kingdom, and others. You can see more about that in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Responsibility is part of what it means to be created in the image of God. We see that in Genesis 1. As image bearers of God, we exercise limited dominion and authority. The Bible tells us that we are not the ultimate owners of physical possessions or financial assets. We are to operate as managers of our time, energy, money, and talents. God is the ruler over all. Period. So you can think of us as mid-level managers within God's great creation. Each of us are given the same general responsibilities in this management. Caring for God's creation, caring for ourselves, etc. We receive specific areas of oversight and dominion as well. Ministry, vocation, family, etc. You know, with this in mind, Paul wrote that he was uh, he was to be considered a steward of the mysteries of God in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. One translation says he was put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Imagine that. Imagine if you were put in charge or you were the steward of explaining all of God's mysteries. Would you be prepared for that? One of the gifts on Paul's life was revelation, to communicate mysteries, hidden truths that had not yet been revealed. Therefore, the exact stewardship he refers to here is not managing money, time, or resources, which are all valid stewardships, but rather managing the gift on his life. How many gifts do you have on your life? How many gifts and talents have you been given, and are you managing those? Are you being good stewards of those gifts and those talents that you've been given from God? As the mid-level manager of those gifts and talents, are you going to give an appropriate or abundant return? The great thing about our responsibilities is that God created us in such a way that He provides for us through the work of our hands. When we are lazy, disobedient, or otherwise irresponsible with our various responsibilities, we often suffer the consequences of the lack by our own hands. In the Bible, stewardship is the inherent standard to which God calls leaders. Whether we're leading a country, business, church community, uh, church safety team, community organization, pack of Cub Scouts, our family, or ourselves. And contrary to popular understanding, the opposite of a leader is not a follower. It is a submissive spectator, someone that just merely sits on the sidelines. Maybe you know people like that in your life or have been exposed to people like that, people who just sit by idly and do nothing. And we know what idle hands produce. These are someone who waits for others to take responsibility, someone that sits on the sidelines and is apathetic, doesn't care. Rather than stepping forward, a non-leader steps back or simply sits in place. Leaders don't wait for someone to tell them what to do. Leaders take the initiative and responsibility to be a faithful steward in God's kingdom in both public and private life. As a steward, we'll also have to give an accounting of how we stewarded what was given to us. We know this. We must understand that we are all stewards of the resources, abilities, talents, and opportunities that God has entrusted to our care. And one day, each of us will be called to give an account for how we have managed what the Master has given us. Just like the servants in the parable of the talents, we will be called to give an account of how we administered everything we have been given, including our time, money, abilities, talents, information, wisdom, relationships, and authority. We will all give account to the rightful owner as to how well we manage the things that he has entrusted to us. So the questions here, folks, we have to answer are here. What have we been given? What are our gifts, talents, abilities, money, time, ability, uh, relationship, information, wisdom? What have we been given? And then what time, money, abilities, information, wisdom, and authority do we have dominion over? What have we been entrusted with? 
Look at our lives and you look in your life. What do you have? What has been given to you? And do you squander those resources or do you simply go bury that talent? So you get no return on that investment. And listen to the master, what he said. He said, even if you put it in the bank and I got a return on the interest, that would have been something, but you chose to do nothing, you wicked and lazy servant. And then we have to ask ourselves, what is the return we are going to give on the resources we have? Are we, in fact, going to be a good steward? So that's your word for the day. So let's dive right into the weapon you know, in speaking about stewardship, we should understand that we have management authority over certain things and people in our life. If you're like me, you have authority over your family and their safety. I am to steward them and our resources so that they can be good stewards over their own talents and abilities. And so also our resources are prepared, they're not squandered, and they're ready for us to use when necessary. And being a good steward and paying attention to the world and worldly events, I know that I must prepare my family for likely and unlikely eventualities or outcomes. One of the things we prepare for here is evacuation at our house. At some point, there may come a time or conditions under which we or you will have to decide to get away, or there may be situations when you are ordered to leave. These are the general guidelines here at our house that we follow or we use for evacuation. And feel free to steal shamelessly and implement or put these into your life as they fit into your life. We plan places where our family will meet, both within and outside of our immediate neighborhood. And we use an a family emergency plan to decide these locations before a disaster. Remember what I said, friends. The body can't go where the brain has never been. The body cannot be expected to perform something it hasn't first looked at and tried to perform inside itself first. You can't expect your body to rise to a certain level of expertise without ever training your brain first to get to that level of expertise. You can think of a family emergency plan as a guide your family will learn from, a policy manual, if you will. It is a written plan that outlines um, the preparations, communications, and procedures of your family during, during various disaster scenarios. So we're not limited just to one scenario. We have a family plan for multiple scenarios both man-made and God-made scenarios. This is a terrific way to ready your family for worst-case scenarios. You can make a step-by-step -step guide uh, as thorough or as basic as you'd like, but having a rehearsed family emergency plan, remember what I said, we train our brains first, on hand could save minutes during times when lives depend on every second. A family emergency plan may help you ensure that your family quickly escapes from harm's way. It may also uh, make sure your family is prepared to evacuate with the necessary belongings and supplies. Your family also, it may also help you ensure that your family knows where to regroup should they be separated. It may also help your family know how to communicate, where to communicate, and when to communicate if you are separated. Some other considerations to think about that we also have in our emergency action planning here at the house. We try to, as much as possible, have at least one car where the gas tank is always full or not below three quarters. If an evacuation seems likely, that's going to be key. It also is good to practice and maintain at least a half-filled gas tank in the event of an unexpected need to evacuate far distance. We have to understand that gas stations may be closed during emergencies and especially uh, unable to pump gas during power outages. Plan to take one car, one car per family, and this reduces congestion and delay along the roadway. 
We want to also make sure that we're always familiar with alternate routes and other means of transportation out of our area where one roadway may be closed or maybe another that gets us to the de destination that we're desiring. We choose several destinations in different directions so you have options in an emergency situation. We leave early enough to avoid being trapped by severe weather if that's what we're going to do. We make our plans based on the totality of the circumstances, everything that we have, and we gain as much knowledge as possible before we choose to evacuate here at our house. We try to follow recommended evacuation routes as much as possible. Those have been deemed the safest by the state agencies and the federal government. We don't take shortcuts that go off-road, as, as tempting as that may be, unless that is your plan to be out in the wilderness. We're always alert for road hazards such as washed out roads and bridges, and we indicate those on maps already. We know we should know in those in our counties in our area where those occur most of the time. If you don't have a car, or don't have that ability, you have to plan how you how will you leave if you must. You have to decide with your family, friends, and your local government if they have a plan for you. Friends, I don't recommend that you lean on this or stand on the shoulders of your federal government to be able to help you in times of crisis or emergency. They are going to have their hands full. So it is up to you to take charge now before something ever happens. We also make sure we have an emergency supply kit. We listen to a battery-powered or hand-crank radio to follow local evacuation or, in, or other instructions. We take our pets with us. Uh, but understand that only service animals may be permitted in public shelters. You have to know that. Plan how you will care for your pets in an emergency. Obviously, if time allows, we call or email the out-of-state contact in our family's communication plan. We tell him or her where we're going, and then we secure our home if we do leave our home by closing, locking doors and windows. We unplug electrical equipment as much as possible, radios, televisions, small appliances. We leave freezers and, fr and refrigerators plugged in unless there's a risk of flooding. If there's dam uh, or if there's damage to your home, you're instructed to do so. Shut off water, gas, and electricity before leaving. We try to leave an inconspicuous note telling others where, uh, when we left and where we are going should they come to our house looking for us. These are only notes that we would share with our family and put them in such a place that they may know where to look. Make sure we wear sturdy shoes and clothing and provide some protections, uh, long pants, long sleeve shirts, and a cap if you are going to evacuate your house. Our plan may not, your plan, just like our plan, may not be uh, to evacuate under certain circumstances. And that's okay, too, provided you have done the due diligence and preparation for, to have at least a 30-day shelter in place available to live. Now, I live out in the country. We have a plan and an alternate plan that is within three miles of our area. In case our primary plan here, our house, doesn't work, then we can get out of this house and go to our three-mile plan uh, very easily. Depending on the type of disaster, we'll have to make a choice to use our shelter in place here at the house, or if we need to pool resources at our fallback location, we'll make the hike then to our alternate location. The key is this. Stewardship dictates that as managers of our resources, we must take charge to ensure that what we have been given grows and prospers. We must give an abundant return on the investment God has made in us, warriors. As Louis Pasteur famously said, fortune favors the prepared mind. When you prepare yourself for life, chances are often in your favor. That does not mean that you will be the luckiest person in the world, but it does mean that if you put yourself in a position for stewardship, God is always on your side. That's what I have for you. That's word and a weapon. Get addicted to your own personal safety. Be blessed. Mm -hmm.